Okay, um, my name's Stephanie, by the way, Stephanie Strait. I'm one of your um, deacon's wives and elder's daughters. So just because you need to know that. Um, okay, today our reading is Acts 6, 1 through 11. Now in these days, when the... No? Acts 1. Acts 1, 6, that's... I probably misread your text. Maybe I don't have tough names to read this time. <laughs> That'll be good. Acts 1, 6 through 11. Okay. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Six, one, six. I just messed that up all together. (laughs) Sorry, Brandon. Okay. Uh, He said to them, It is not for you to know time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay. (laughs) That's enough reading today. (laughs) Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, as we begin today, I want to just take a minute to do something a little bit different and uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, And I'm looking around, and now I'm nervous. I'm looking for Ron and Susan Rogers. Are they in here? Oh, there he is. Ron's up in the balcony. He's not down here in his normal normal spot. Um, I I just want to take a second to recognize uh, Ron Rogers. Um, Ron has been an elder at our church for somewhere around 20 years, and we have been blessed by his wisdom. We've been blessed by his focus on prayer and his consistent call to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. Last year at the beginning of 2023, Ron let us know that this was going to be his last year serving as an active elder and that he was going to retire from being an active elder. Now, Mark Percival was uh, going to take last year off, but he wasn't able to do that until February. So Mark said, you can't retire until the end of January. So we got one more month out of Ron, but now Ron has come to the end of his term and he is retiring, and I just wanted to thank him uh, for his service and for the sacrifice that he and Susan have made over these years, and to also let you know that, that he, I have declared he's moving into what, what I'm calling the elder emeritus role. Uh, he will no longer be voted on as an elder, but from time to time, if we have a serious issue or something where we want his wisdom, we may call Ron back into an elder's meeting to get his opinion and view on things. But just so you know, uh, if he came in in that role, he would not have a vote, which uh, uh, when I was the discipleship pastor, I used to, to, well, my dad said, Brandon, you have a say, you just don't have a vote. Uh, And so Ron will be welcomed into that class that has a say, but not a vote. But anyway, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to Ron, and if we could just express our appreciation for all his years of service. With that in mind, we will be having elder confirmation here in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for those uh, cards in your uh, bulletins or at the Welcome Center. That will be coming very soon. So thank you very much. 
Um, and I know that you guys are really looking forward to hearing from Susan and Carla and about their mission trip uh, to Lesotho and Eswatini. I know I'm excited to hear about that as well. So when we can in the, in the service, sometimes it doesn't always work out, but when we can, we like to take a few minutes to give a mission report and to hear how the gospel is spreading um, at, and as, how Jefferson Avenue gets to be a part of it. If you guys look at the front of your bulletins, um, we have our slogan on there. Our slogan is that we want, we want to be a church where the gospel is proclaimed, where the gospel is known, and the gospel is lived. When we talk about the gospel being known, that is us being in Bible study. That is receiving the truths of God's word and learning them and knowing the gospel. When we talk about the gospel lived, that's a reference to us being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit being in us, working in us, shaping us, changing us to where we live out the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we see we have the gospel proclaimed. When we talk about proclaiming the gospel, that's, that's preaching the good news from the pulpit. That's teaching the good news in the classrooms. That's also teaching the good news to those around us in our community and to the ends of the earth. So we, we do that in, in places like I don't know, when we send our kids to St. Louis for their mission trip, we do it in El Salvador, um, and we even do it in Africa, as we're going to hear about in just a little bit. Uh, but before I turn the service over to Carla and Susan for their mission report, I just wanted to address uh, a portion of the passage that was just read, verses 6 through 11. Um, some some co- scholars like to refer to uh, the book of Acts as Second Luke, and we've been in Luke for a long time. I kind of like the idea of referring to the book of Acts as Second Luke. If I got to go back in time and order the Gospels, put them in, I would go John, then either Matthew or Mark, then Luke, so that you could have Second Luke right next to it in Acts. Uh, that would be what I would do, but nobody asked me. Um, so when we look at the book of Acts as Second Luke, we can see parallels between the two, the book of Acts and Luke, very easily. If you'll just think about what we've talked about over the last several months, and frankly, almost two years, um, we can see that the kingdom of God is a strong emphasis in the book of Luke. When Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of God with him. And so the kingdom of God is here and now and a reality of the present age. But there's still, as we've been talking about this, this, this anticipation of the kingdom to come. There's more. And even after the resurrection of Jesus, his disciples didn't quite seem to understand that there is more. They wanted his first coming to lead into this earthly established kingdom here and now. So listen again to uh, verses 6 and 7 of, of the passage we just read. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, this is the resurrected Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? What were they looking for? an earthly kingdom here and now. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. They wanted to know. They wanted to know, is now the time? Can anybody relate to that? Like, is now the time? They had an opportunity to ask Jesus, and I am thankful they didn't waste it, right? So they had this opportunity, and what is Jesus' answer? He says, wait. He says, It's not for you to know. That is the authority of the Father. I'm bringing the kingdom. And honestly, he's going to bring it in a way that was bigger than they even anticipated. They were looking for an earthly kingdom in Israel to be established. But Jesus says the kingdom is going to come, and it's going to come in God's timing. And as we look at the greater scripture, it's going to come in a bigger way than even just Israel. That is something to look forward to. So in the meantime, we have to ask ourselves, do we trust him? Do we trust him that his kingdom is going to come? And if we trust that his kingdom is going to come, do we take the responsibility for the instructions that he's left us? And what are those instructions? What is that responsibility? Let's look at uh, verses 8 through 9. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we had said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
Jesus tells, or Luke tells us that one of the last things that Jesus said to his followers is that they would receive power to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Where does the fuel come from to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? What a good gift. When we think of mission trips and mission journeys or opportunities to share the gospel with somebody at work or across the street or even in the pew next to you, where does the power to do that come from? That power comes from the Holy Spirit. And the second we start thinking about and recognizing that that power comes from the Holy Spirit, it should kind of take the pressure off. Is it up to you to make sure the gospel gets where it needs to go? I mean, you're a part of it, but that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to manufacture that. The Holy Spirit accomplishes it within the will of God. I love that. The Spirit gives us the power to share the gospel, whether it's across the street or across the ocean. We do not go on our own strength. He does say there, though, that we are to be about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But can we all go to the ends of the earth? Not necessarily directly, but we can be a part of it. We can be a part of it by praying for those who go. We can be a part of it by sending those who go. We can be a part of it by supporting those who go. And for those of us who are able, we can go. Again, go to the ends of the earth. Or what I love here is it says to Jerusalem. Where were they? They were in the area around Jerusalem. You can go to your neighbors, to Judea, the greater area around them. That's like us going to St. Louis, to the ends of the earth, even if that is southern Africa. That is a powerful opportunity and charge. Let's see how the passage continues in verses 10 through 11. It says this, And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. He said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now this is another reason to proclaim the gospel. This is another reason why we go. We go because we believe he will return. Amen? Amen? And if we really believe that, that, is a, that makes us a people of hope. It is an expression of the hope of our salvation and the hope of the return of Christ that should be an inspiration to us to go. And we go to share the hope that we have received in Christ. So with that in mind, the charge to go and the excitement of the hope of Jesus' return I want to invite Carla and Susan to come up here, and they're going to share about their trip. Is it on? Mine is. I want to thank you for this opportunity to share about our great adventure with God to Africa, and it was a great adventure. Um, I will testify to what Brandon said earlier. I um, had prepared my talks that I would give, but I was concerned about them uh, coming across, you know, well to the people. And um, the Holy Spirit, every time I spoke, would remind me of ways um, that a, a bit of my personal testimony would fit into that, and I could testify to his goodness in my life and make that story more um, gospel-centered. Um, so we had this great adventure. Um, there were, uh, we went to Johannesburg, 
uh, Lesotho and Swaziland, which is now called Eswatini. And so I made some arrows on that map so maybe that you could see kind of the location of those places. Um, there were four ladies of us that made up the team. We were all born in 1957. So four 66-year-old women took off to Africa together. It was quite an adventure. We said no one was running up the hill ahead of anyone else. We all reached out a hand and drug each other up. <laughs> so, so that was great. Um, Teresa was our fearless leader, retired IMB missionary, and she had lived in that area for 12 years. And so now she's living in the States, but takes four or five trips a year to um, that area of Africa. And then uh, Nancy, her, Teresa's son's mother-in-law, was the other team member, and then of course Susan and I. And um, so then, in addition to the four of us, Johan was our driver. He's a South African businessman. He was so much more than a driver. Yes. He made our coffee and tea in the mornings. He was our bodyguard. He knew all the languages. He knew all the rules. He was great at disarming uh, people that like to pick on Americans <laughs> with his big smile and he would start a conversation with them and they would just wave us on through, no problems. And um, so we were really thankful for him. Then we also had Tato, uh, our female interpreter, and Ronnie, the male interpreter. And they spent that first week, uh, Tato and Ronnie spent that first week in Lesotho with us where we did not speak the English the language. The second week in Iswatini, they spoke English, so we were able to communicate easier um, there. Um, so I wanted to tell you a little bit about how this all came about. I, I just think it's a neat story how God um, worked out the details to get us even to go on this trip. Um, my husband coined the phrase, across the street and around the world. Um, we, um, in the summer of 22, the church that we were a part of in Texas came and worked on Teresa's house in Stockton, Missouri. We went to visit them while they were there, just for a couple of hours, but we found out that they weren't able to do all of the work that they had come to do. And so our community group, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. The next thing that happened in October, so in the summer of 22, the church came to Stockton. In October, uh, we were volunteering at Sunshine Elementary, and Susan said to my husband, um, we've been hearing you guys talk about these construction mission trips that you used to go on, and we want to do one of those. Well, we knew that Perryton had not been able to do all of the work that they had come to do. And so in April of 23, the Boomer Zoomers, our community group, <laughs> went to Stockton. And we worked some more on Teresa's house for a weekend. And um, then it was pretty much over. <laughs> we were committed to go pretty quickly after spending that time with Teresa. We had helped her. One of the things we did was help her unpack all of her um, her trunks from Africa it had arrived just before we got there. And so we listened to her stories and we heard her heart. And so then in the fall of 23, we started the required training to go. And January of 24, we're on our way to Africa. <laughs> so... I just thought it was neat. God used our willingness to serve at Sunshine Elementary and Stockton, Missouri to get us to Africa. <laughs> and um, I wanted to read a scripture there, Ephesians 2.10. One of you might be able to get to it quicker than I can, even though it's so far up here. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has work prepared for us to do and um, gives us the ability to do that. So, yes, that was really a, a, a fun time to go to Stockton as our group. We went for two nights and three days, and we worked hard mm -hmm. with Teresa. And uh, many of us didn't really know Teresa, but she has, a, of course, a real heart for missions. She, she and her husband were on the field um, for several years, wasn't it, 11 or 12 years? 12, 12 years. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, during COVID, they had to come back here because needing some surgeries and then, you know, how COVID was, it was just, um, they needed needed to come back to the United States. And in that time, she actually lost her husband. And so the unpacking of all that stuff was very, very emotional. And so we were so glad to be there to help her with that. And uh, just to hear her stories, it was very inspiring and uh, I think Carla had that willingness to go because it's something she wanted to do for many years, and, and the Lord planted that in my heart, too. It made me think of Steve as always getting up and saying, if the Lord's calling you to go, then you need to go. If he's calling you to stay, then you need to stay. So many of you stayed behind but knew we were going, and uh, Carla and I felt prayers and support mm, from you absolutely. in so many ways, and we just want to say a big thank you. Many of our ladies uh, made craft items, or not craft items, but supplies that the women in Lesotho would need um, and could really use. And so that was just a wonderful thing uh, that we could take those things. And not only our church, but many churches in Missouri and, and uh, Texas and um, probably other places made little dresses. They made shorts they made all kinds of things um, but anyway we just um, I love what Steve always challenges us with and says if you're willing to go and the Lord calls you then you need to go and so um, I, I have to say that through the time of preparation that I had doubts but that I was supposed to go but I, I knew the Lord had called me back in the summer because it was a huge commitment for a 66-year-old girls to go because it was two and a half weeks. We weren't taking our husbands. We were going to Africa without anybody. But um, the Lord provided through, as um, Carla said, through uh, Johan and uh, Ronnie and Tato, who are our uh, interpreters. And Johan was so wonderful. And she did, you didn't mention this, but he... he uh, taught he was our preacher yes on the two Sundays and so he was he's an awesome man of God he's not just a driver or protector he was a part of the team as mm -hmm. well as uh, Tato and Ronnie and Tato and Ronnie were actually a part of Teresa's life when she was there Tato was her housekeeper so she's like a daughter and Ronnie was actually I think they said he was orphaned not once but twice and so he was a part of their ministry, just a wonderful young man. And so, I mean, it was like a family reunion for her mm -hmm. that we got to be a part of. So that was really neat. So um, just willingness. And I, I have to say that something that really has encouraged me in missions is being in my Sunday school class. Um, we're doing the Gospel Coalition. And um, those of you who are Sunday school teachers, it's it's as inspiring towards missions as it is uh, to us as teachers as it is to the children. There's a missions moment um, where we get to learn about missionaries, and it is so wonderful. And I get as much or more out of, of it than the kids do, I think. And I shared with the children early on that Carla and I were going, and they were so excited. I mean, they went home and told their mamas that Miss Carla and Susan needed skirts and scarves. <laughs> And they begin to come in, and so that was really neat, too. So I'll turn it back over to Carla about the gifts. Okay. Um, and the, uh, one of the things, too, I wanted to talk about was, were the um, Bibles that we were able to give. And if you want to go ahead and move a few of those slides through, yes. Um, we um, were able to give Bibles in their language, but we didn't give them to just anyone. 
they were required to memorize seven specific scriptures that were gospel-centered. And um, so we would hand out the paper with the scriptures in their language, and they would take them home, and overnight they would memorize those scriptures. And they were so excited to come back and say them. And they would just hoop and holler and cheer for each other. And um, so then when we would hand the Bibles to them, well, we would hold on to the Bibles and hand them a marker. And they would write their name in big letters on the edges of the pages and then just wave the Bibles around. And they were so excited to have those. And um, we gave away 27 Bibles in the village. And so there were 27 ladies that memorized those scriptures and got their Bibles. Um, each day there was a gospel presentation. Each day there was an invitation to receive Christ. And by the time the week was over, there were 10 ladies that had received Christ. Um, two very young ladies, one pictured there with her little baby, but um, all the way up to one Grandmother, which is really unusual for an older lady um, to accept Christ. Um, I would ask that you pray for the men um, to hear the good news. So many of the men travel to South Africa to work and are gone a month or more at a time. And so um, we, we saw very few men while we were there. But there's a great need uh, for men to go and for those men to hear. Um, the Timothy Project, which is the organization um, that we went with, is taking groups to target different people groups four or five times a year. And one of those in the fall, I believe, will be um, uh, focused on men. And so... Um, like to read another scripture to you. So is my word, this is Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Um, and then the gifts. Yeah. Uh, the gifts I wanted to talk about, we were able to give some really um, wonderful things to them because of many of you and others, as Susan mentioned, the churches. We gave um, Bible covers. They have a big problem with rats eating their Bibles, and so um, some ladies, some, some of our ladies made covers for them, and we were able to give those. We gave cloth bags, scarves, socks, costume jewelry. That was so fun. We put, um, we let the grandmothers come first and we would put the jewelry on them and they felt so pretty. <laughs> and um, there were crocheted dish cloths, dish towels, and then the coveted sewing kits. <laughs> um, a lot of you spent time uh, Sewing the kits, Deb Davis led that charge, and um, some of you sewed the kits, but then Kit got together and filled them with all the supplies that they could need to sew, and they loved those sewing kits. Um, such a great thing for them to have. I love her face in that picture. I don't know if you can see it, yeah, but she was so excited to get the sewing kit. That was... They were always excited to get things, but that was extra special. So, and those are things we take for granted that we have scissors and a thimble and pins and safety pins and thread. It was just everything you could possibly need. Um, I just w meant to share a scripture a while ago when I was talking about the willingness to go. And our, our church has always had a theme verse, and that's the Matthew 19, 19 and 20. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, <clears throat> baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And that is our theme. And that 
also helped me and Carla both be willing to go. So um, many of you asked, you know, what we were going to do. And it was hard to answer that question, but the one thing we knew was that we were going to minister to widows. And so we were ready um, to minister to the widows. I didn't really understand that until we got there, that the widows are kind of hard to reach because they are very steeped in ritual and tradition. And those are things that are hard for them to come out from under because they're the pillar of the of the community and the particular village we were in, um, there was probably, that came to our um, less or our uh, groups, I would say there was at least 20, 25 widows, but they were very open and very willing to hear, but I know it was hard for them um, to come to the, to the Lord because of, their, of the many rituals and traditions that they were brought up with. Um, but when we got there, Teresa decided that we would invite all the women. So we had quite the large group, and with that group came children. And I mean lots of children. And so I was, I mean, we had prepared Bible stories, and I practiced my Bible stories on our Sunday school class. I'd say, you want me to tell you a story? <laughs> After we were done with everything, and they were like, sure. No, they, were, they liked to hear the stories, but um, I used those stories and told Bible stories to the kids, and we would kind of tag team it. So Carla and um, Nancy and Teresa would do their parts with the ladies, and, and then they would come and take my place, and I would go do my part with the ladies. We taught on the fruit of the Spirit um, to the ladies, and, that, and so we um, took turns being with the children. And so, um, like I said, there was quite a few children, and, like, the children do go to school, but for some reason, some of the older kids weren't in school, and I kept asking, why aren't you in school? Well, I never got a very clear answer, but one day, one child said, it's too cold, so I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, they had to walk to school, even though the schools were fairly close, it was quite a distance to walk. And so if they got up a little late or something like that, they just didn't go. And um, so we had lots of toddlers and lots of little kids, but then we would always have some older kids, and we just we had so much fun with them. Um, and then on Saturday, we, um, of course, there was no school, and we kind of made Saturday a special day for the kids, and we ended up having over 100 children. And I told my Sunday school class this morning that, um, we ended up making some crafts kind of last minute with some supplies that we had so that the children would have a craft to do. And I think we made 60 uh, supply kits to do to decorate the notebooks and um, that we had for them. And I knew that wasn't going to be enough, probably. Um, so we just prayed really hard, Lord, multiply these craft kits, multiply these notebooks, and somehow or another... Holy Spirit, the Lord, we had enough. Um, so it was it was pretty miraculous the way the Lord answered that prayer, and I I mean I saw it happen. Uh, so that was a little bit about the children. They are the children were very well behaved. Um, they are very open to hear what you have to teach to them. They just are very um, ready to be loved on, and so it was pretty easy to love on them, and they are adorable too just like our children, but lots of them are very cute. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about right now was something that we did with them on Sunday was we modeled church. So we did ask for the ladies to come on Sunday, but not to bring the children um, because we wanted to model what church service looked like. Uh, Teresa had gone in uh, June of the year before, and there was about 15 or 16 salvations at that point. But we really got the sense that they had not been able to meet together that much and have church. So we wanted to model what church looked like. And so on Sunday, we did that. And we had kind of a teaching. We finished up our teaching on the fruit of the spirit, which kind of looked like Sunday school. And then Johan preached a very powerful sermon to the ladies um, and very touch my heart big time and so I know it touched their hearts and so they did that and then of course we had an invitation and we we just had one person come that day but that was a pretty miraculous story too she um, came 
and had been, had been having seizures for several years. I think she said they started in 2009. She had been going to the Singoma, which is basically a witch doctor who gives uh, different um, charms and different magical things that would help her get over these uh, uh, seizures. And of course, it wasn't working. And she had given all of her money, she said, to the Singoma to help her get over these. And now the Singoma was asking for a cow. That would be like asking for our car, probably. And so she said, I don't have any more to give the Singoma. I think I just need Jesus. And it was just such a wonderful story because it was it's basically the story of us telling about the woman who had the issue of blood and how uh, she only wanted to touch the hem of Jesus's cloak and how um, that's exactly what this lady did. So I would ask you to pray for her. I can't say her name, but um, just pray for her. We gave her some money. She wasn't asking for money, but we gave her money and a note to take to the clinic. Um, so that was quite a quite a bit ways to travel to get to the clinic, and then she would have had to stay there at least a night. So we were able to put some money together and give to her so that she could go and get back. So we're praying that she was able to get some help with her seizures and, and that she saw that it was the Lord that was working in her heart. So we'll pray for her. Um, so we modeled church. We, in, we ended up having a feast that day, and we brought food for them to cook for, for us and for them. So that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. We did. That's Carla uh, doing uh, bread and butter. That's something they don't get very often. We had chicken. We had rice, of course. We had what they call Vienna's, which is basically a hot dog, but more like a sausage-tasting mm -hmm. hot dog. Uh, and we had cookies. And so this was really special for them because um, in, those, in that high country, there's not really a good soil to grow things. They do grow corn, but it's a very short growing season. And so they, were, they had their crops planted, but they had not produced yet. So they were hungry. And so we were able to have this feast. And that was so much fun to do that and just to serve them. Um, they took an offering that day, which was really cool. Uh, we encouraged them to bring some money for their church, and they they did. A lot of them did bring some money. It was they call it rin or their dollars. They brought the money, but then they also um, brought like one person brought a bag of beans. Another person bought, brought like four eggs, and so they got together and they prayed about who would get those items, and so they decided that one of the older ladies uh, who had lost her hu husband and she was a very faithful member of their group that she would get those get those items. So that was really cool to see. And then they, they had their money and they put it in a little plastic container and they were keeping it so that they could decide what they would do with the money. And because they had no church, we met in front of two of the huts, which they call rondoggles on the ground and that's just that was where we met so no church building nothing that they could use for a church building so so um when after that sunday the next morning we left lesotho and drove through south africa on our way to iswatini which is what used to be called swaziland um, but on the way, we stopped one night, and we did get to do a safari. We did a late evening safari and an early morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning early <laughs> safari. But we, we did get to see some animals, you know, as the sun was going down, and then again as the sun was coming up. And so that was really fun yes, for us. Very. <laughs> um, but then we, when we got to um, Iswatini, um, our translators left us and went home because they speak English in Iswatini. Um, and so the first day we were there, we were told we would do widow visits. And Susan and I both thought, this is going to be kind of an easy day. We'll just ride around and, and see widows. And um, But 13 hours later, <laughs> we were exhausted. Yes. We, we saw five widows, but they all lived, you know, a, a good distance from each other. 
and uh, they turned out to be long visits. We would think the visit was over, you know, we'd visited for an hour or so, and then they would uh, want to serve us. And so we had lots of cookies, lots of fruit, and lots of cranberry cooler, which seems to be their drink of choice. <laughs> five, five times we did that. Um, there was one uh, house where the ladies served us lunch, and so we had boiled chicken and um, papa, which is kind of a cornmeal mush, I would call it. And wallpaper paste. Yep. <laughs> but it's their staple. They they put everything on top of that. And when you're eating it, I mean that's that's what it feels like in your stomach is paste. <laughs> but um, and then some unidentified greens. <laughs> so but we um, Teresa had met with these widows before on previous visits, you know, as they lost their husbands, and she was able to share that she could see the healing process taking place in their lives. They were all believers, um, and it was, it was a great day, actually. We, we enjoyed it so much. Such a loving people, just uh, so gracious and loving. So you can see in this picture that um, the people, now that was in Eswatini, and she was an older lady, which, you know, you do sometimes get a lot chillier, but they wore so many clothes. I, yeah. We were so surprised, and I don't know how to explain that. In Lesotho, it was cooler, but still they wore jackets, sweatshirts. We had on on sleeveless and short sleeve tops and skirts, and we were hot, especially yeah. there. But they did wear a lot more clothes, and like I said, I'm not exactly sure why they do that. <laughs> this lady, I was like <sighs> dying of heat <laughs> there, and she had on her winter coat. So anyway, um, so what, something that we did in Eswatini was we, we ministered in a church, and this was a church that Teresa and her husband had had uh, a relationship with from many years back, and so, but it was a it was a very uh, tenuous relationship because um, when she came back without her husband, I think there was you know they did not allow women to get up like this and speak at all, and so anyway, they were rebuilding relationships and beginning to trust her, and so we had a women's ministry conference on Saturday. On Friday, we invited some of their ministry leaders to our home that we were staying at, and we had a, or a training on um, that's called a New Hope training. Uh, I call it grief and trauma training, and it's just based on uh, some like seven different Bible stories, and it's something that Teresa and, or Carla and I really have felt called to do, and we may do that probably this next year sometime. So it, it's a wonderful tool for evangelism, but it's also a wonderful tool to help people who are struggling with grief or trauma of any kind uh, to, to come to understand how to deal with that and just to work through the process. It's really a wonderful training. So we, these ladies here, um, we did the training with them, and it took us most uh, the better part of a day. Then we did a little craft and... We just tried, we barbecued, which they call cooking on the brie. So we barbecued hamburgers that day and hot dogs and just had a, a really fun time. We just tried to spoil them and, and help them feel cared for and encouraged. And I think we accomplished that. It was a fun day. I would say that was our fun day. <laughs> team building. Yes, team building, exactly. And so then the next day we had the women's conference and it was the fruit of the spirit literature or um, talks that we had used in the village and so we used those twice um, and that was really a fun time too we did the same thing with this group of ladies uh, we made some, these tea towels and they were very artistic all of them and so they made those beautiful and we did the notebooks we did some uh, hair brits with fruits fruits on them to represent the fruit of the spirit we did all kinds of things that they enjoyed doing throughout the day on Saturday, and then we finished it up on Sunday. And um, it was just a really 
fun time and they were very responsive and in fact I think we have some new friends on WhatsApp from I think these so ladies. Too. <laughs> so we actually Teresa received a message after we had gotten back in the states from one of the ladies that was kind of a natural leader in the group and she said please pray for our ladies um, we have love among us within the church, but we need to grow in our love for those outside of the church. And so um, that's a request that she sent and that, uh, something that they saw about themselves that they needed to grow in. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the talks that we gave on Fruit of the Spirit encouraged that. It encouraged me, so I hope that it encourages them too. And uh, there were men in that fellowship, mm -hmm. not as many as there were women and children, but there were a good group of men, and so that was encouraging too. And uh, it was a good, strong church, I felt mm -hmm. like. Um, and it was a privilege and honor to serve there and to teach there and to get to know them. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about the support um, that we received from uh, you and and others who knew about our trip um, it just overwhelming the amount of support that we received through prayer and just encouragement uh, for me personally um, I was a little concerned you know when I started talking about going um, my husband was wholeheartedly supporting me but we did not have the funds set aside for the trip, and it was quite an expensive um, trip. And so um, I started doing what I know how to do best. I started cooking, <laughs> and um, I made lots and lots of noodles and pie crusts and cookies, and you bought them. <laughs> and I appreciated that so much. Um, but then... Um, God gave me a couple of unique opportunities to cook and make some money. I cooked for 80 senior adults at First Baptist Church, Walnut Grove. Uh, oodles of noodles. <laughs> but then many of you gave donations, and um, I didn't ask for them. God impressed it on your hearts to give. And... Um, it was wonderful. The money I earned and the money that you gave covered the cost of the trip. One more scripture, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for sending us and just for this opportunity to share and, uh, yeah, we'll turn it back to Brandon. I asked Carla to, to share that last part because I think a lot of times we put human limitations on why we can't go on a mission trip. And I can remember, so John Tucker, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a former member here. He was director of mission trips at SBU when I was at SBU. He ran an organization called Extend Global, uh, which is how we met Neil, uh, uh, and how we got connected in, in Suriname. Um, but I can remember John sharing with me how uh, it's, good, it's good for people to fundraise for mission trips because we get to see the hand of God provide in ways we never expect. And so uh, I just want to encourage you all that um, as we... Uh, begin to plan our next trip for uh, El Salvador or wherever we may be going next, wherever you may have an opportunity to go that's not even directly related with Jefferson Avenue. Don't let money be the thing that keeps you from saying yes. God is a provider. And I, I have been blown away over the years at, at people I've seen be able to go on these trips because uh, of how God has provided. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility. Um, I, I, think, I hope you guys heard what Carla did to help earn some of that money, but uh, I think it's important to see 
that God is one who meets your needs. The other thing I think about when I think about these mission trips is as we live here in the United States, we get so focused on the way we do things and the, the fact that they, they, uh, we have a church to come to that is strong, that has men and women, that is multi-generational, I think these things are important for us to praise God for. Um, as they uh, had, had an area where there was no church, um, and as they went to another area where there wasn't a lot of, of men involved in the church. And so there are things that we should praise God for that we have here. Uh, but also, because we have it here, we have a responsibility to the rest of the body of Christ beyond Jefferson Avenue and beyond the United States. So that's why we do things like uh, collect money for um, North American Mission Board and International Mission Board. We do that because we have a chance to cooperate and participate with each other here in the United States to make our resources available across the globe. And those things are important to the kingdom. So uh, when we were looking at uh, Acts 1 and as we've been talking about Luke, there are different ways that we can participate in the expanding nature of the kingdom of God. We do that by praying. We do that by sending. We do that by funding. We do that by going. But the gospel proclaimed to the ends of the earth is the responsibility of the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So would the praise team come and lead us in a couple of songs as we close? And as they come, would you all uh, pray with me? Father, we thank you and praise you for your love and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your good news is hope for the nations. Father, we thank you that you are a personal God that can be known by us here. Father, we thank you that you are a global God that transcends time that can be known everywhere for all time. Lord, I pray that you would put on our hearts how we may be involved in your mission. Father, help us not to overcomplicate it and think that we must go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. Help us to remember that we can do it with our children. We can do it with our neighbors. We can share it with our coworkers. But also, Father, help us not to think that we can only share it in those places. Help us, Lord, to be challenged, to see how you might be calling us to go when those opportunities come in the future. Father, your message is worth sharing. You are the life giver and the life changer. You are the hope for eternity. Help us not to take that for granted. Help us to praise your name by singing, by supporting believers, and by telling others about you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.